the four o'clock football frenzy. Presented by Dustin DeHart of Nova Home Loans. Call him now at 702-577-2600. The four o'clock football frenzy on Cofield and Company. It's an Adams Family edition of Cofield and Company. Adam Candy joined right now by the one and only, the man about town, Adam Hill, along with uh, Ari, of course, at our Finley Toyota Studios. Ari, give me a little crunch. (laughs) That was the sound of Adam Hill trying to claw his way across town (laughs) to get to our ESPN Las Vegas studios. Uh, Adam, you've been covering all of the madness of the Raiders GM and coach and players and writing stories and trying to get in here. And what has this day been like around uh, the Raiders organization as you've seen it? Should, uh, well, around the organization, can I first, should I first, I guess, thank the two police officers that didn't just pull me over? <laughs> I, I yes. will, I will admit that I was speeding on the way here. It was ridiculous. And they there were two motorcycle cops right next to each other and they pulled up next to me and I gave them the, like, I'm so sorry. I know I'm speeding wave and they let me go. So thank you. That's not at all. They know who you are. They come on. You know, they know who you are. I don't think they do, but I I just would say I was planning on pulling the, I'm on the air in four minutes. Can I please, can, can you send me a ticket in the mail or something? I was planning the whole thing, but I didn't have to. It was nice. Uh, it's been, that kind of frantic day. Um, it has been around the facility too. I mean, it was, we got in there this morning and didn't the, you know, we were told we were going to be speaking to Rich Passaccia and that was it today. Um, it was Derek Carr's day, you know, that he's supposed to talk. So uh, we figured he might. And then we found out, oh, additional players. And then, oh, by the way, Mike Mayak's going to address the media as well. So it was one of those like, oh, we're doing all this. <laughs> like we're, we're really going to do all this today. Okay, let's go. And, um, yeah, I thought a not necessarily a news filled day, but I, I thought a good um, a good opportunity to to kind of hear what everybody was thinking, to hear what the thought process was for a lot of different people. And uh, to start, I think the theme from everybody over there, even if, you know, we're not going to completely allow it to happen, um, whether that's good or bad. But I think the thought process is, hey, it's time to go. Like, it's time to move on. And. I think there's still going to continue to be questions about what happened and there's still going to be rehashing and there's still going to be investigations and um, stories about what went down. But I think the team at least is on that wavelength of, Hey, it happened. Like this all happened in a crazy 72 hours between Friday and Monday. They had Tuesday off at least, you know, no media and no practice, but you know, they're, they were in the building and doing the rehab and that sort of things. But they had Tuesday off to just kind of process things. And then now it's Wednesday. It is time to prepare for the Broncos, and I think that's kind of the the feeling around the building. Look, there's no choice. What can yeah. they do? They, they they have to move forward. They they have to operate under Mike Mayock as their general manager, as Rich Passaccia is their new interim head coach. And Mayock talked about leadership within the organization and what it's going to take for the Raiders to move forward. I I don't see a vacuum of leadership. Okay. Uh, and I want to be really clear about that. Rich Bisaccia is the best leader I've ever been around. Okay? Uh, the players respect and love Rich Bisaccia. So from that perspective, 
he and I are all in together on this, 100%, okay? We're three and two. And so any kind of conversation about what we're going to do after the season to me is premature. You're going to let this season play out. We're going to see what happens. And I'm going to back this son of a gun unequivocally. That's about as firm of a pat on the back as Rich Passaccia can get from Mike Mayock. Uh, Adam, I don't know what other choice Mike Mayock would have in that spot, right? Sure. You, you have to go as hard in as, as he did, but he certainly gave him some high praise. Sure, but I, I think, listen, a lot of what is said, and, and this is not a criticism of what was said today by everyone that spoke, but you understand. Like, a lot of what is said at a podium is different than what's said behind closed doors, and a lot of what is said is damage control a lot of it is public relations like all those things happen um when people are speaking on the podium and and we get that and i think a lot of what was said today was part of that um maybe not it's not lying it's it's you know saying the right things in public sometimes is what you get in this case i don't think that's what this this is i i, I absolutely believe that there is very strong pro rich basaccia feelings in that building like that is a dude that people love and I, I, this is things that have been said way before he had this role. Um, that is a guy who has re- the respect and the love uh, of that locker room and everyone around that organization. So I think at least this part of what was talked about was absolutely truth and you know, absolutely from the heart. You're right. The, there is a lot of conversation behind those closed doors that, frankly, we might never know about. You mentioned yesterday the fact that because you don't have locker room access the way you and I are used to from the way we grew up reporting, it's hard to go over and talk to people individually. You have to take the words of those who are put in front of you. And uh, you know, very specifically, Mike Mayock was asked today about speaking to the black players in the Raiders locker room who are well more than the majority of the players in this organization. Uh, I've talked to several of the black players. Okay, I think we've reached out to a bunch of players, black and white. Um, Everybody's got emotions and feelings. I've talked to some of the people in my department that are black and my, my, I, my director of pro scouting. And I just said, DJ, I can't put myself in your shoes. Help me. Okay? So uh, we've spent a pretty good amount of time trying to, trying to help these guys and talk with these guys. Not talk out at them, but with them. Um, and the other thing I would say is just... Uh, For Carl, let's be honest, he's a community of one that's openly gay, okay? Um, We do have a large community of African-American players, and and I'm trying to do, we're trying to do everything we can for that community as well, obviously. It started there, okay? Nobody's forgetting that. We're talking, and I'm trying to to work with everyone, and we're going to continue to do that. The reference, of course, to Carl Nassib, um, who took a personal day essentially today for the Raiders as he dealt with the fallout of the situation. Adam, uh, what's your sense of what that message might be? You know, from from the Raiders organization to their African American players, coaches, staff, whatever, from what you heard today. Yeah, I, th- I think you know part of what Mike Mack said there is fair, and I, you know I said. Um, it's so crazy that, you know, before Monday night, this was one comment that was racist and, um, you know, awful, but it was it was the one comment. And, you know, the discussion I had at the time was, and it, it's kind of true, like I genuinely just don't want to hear white people's opinion on this. Like I just don't care. 
um, what white people have to say about it. And, and and I meant that, even though we, you know, we have to, you know, express our opinions and talk about it. But um, I, I felt it was important to just hear. And, and I think it's important because a lot of times you'll hear people say, like, well, black people think this. You know, black people would say, that, like, no, everyone has their own opinion. Like, everyone's from somewhere else. Everyone is from, you know, it comes from a different place in terms of their mentality and their thinking. And everybody has their own opinions about these things. So um, I, I think that's a little bit of what was shared uh, with by the writers today where, you know, Mike Mack right there said, hey, I went to, you know, what, you know my director of scouting and, you know, he's African-American. And I said, hey, like, I I don't know what to think about this. I don't know where to go from here. You tell me. Like, how, how do you feel? And, and I want to hear that from everybody. I think the, the message, one of the messages that they had today was that they're doing a lot of listening. And I think that that's what they're doing in the locker room of like, hey, we'll, we'll tell you where we stand. We tell you how we feel. We tell you, you know, where we're going from here. But we're also here to listen to, you know, whoever has to, you know, share their issues and, and you know, speak on what they want to say. I thought um, Darren Waller was asked a question today, which I, I – I, I think is a fair question, but at the same time, it, it puts you in a difficult spot when he was asked, hey, the the comment came out Friday, it was very racist, and nothing happened. And then for Monday, all these other comments come out, and it's like, okay, well, he's got to go. I mean, is there lingering kind of resentment that the racist comment wasn't enough? And, you know, Darren Waller, I thought very, you know, had a very – reasoned and thought out answer about it he just you know he just said hey you sometimes you have to give people time to process everything which is, is true but i think that that's a fair question of like hey why wasn't being racist enough why wasn't that enough to lose your job um so i i think that there's so many different aspects of this there's so many layers of the story and you know one of the things i i have kind of thought about in the last few days is like hey let's let's let everything play out let's let everything process let's let everybody think about it you know rich basaccia was you know talking about being a head coach for the first time and saying he's like uh, this is not what i expected how to become a head coach um but at the same time like i'm here and i've got to do i've got a game on sunday i've like let's go and i think for a lot of that like you can't really process everything it takes time to get to where you want to get with your thoughts and your feelings and your emotions because it, it's like a whirlwind like listen i talked about it yesterday i'm i'm still there my head is spinning. I'm I'm running a million different directions, and I'm not part of it. Like I'm just writing about it. I'm sure I'm sure listeners. I'm sure fans. Like don't even have to. They don't have to be consumed by this all day like we do. And I'm sure they're still trying to process a lot of this. Imagine like being part of it. It's it, it's crazy, and it's it's such a fast moving situation. But it also seems like a very slow moving situation. It's it's so bizarre. It's slow moving in that we live inside it. Right. I mean, we in the media especially live inside. And if we feel that way, just as rando media members, especially white male media members, um, how are the players feeling? How are the African-American staff and coaches in the Raiders organization going about this? We don't know. Adam, you said you want to listen. That's what we're going to do here in just a minute as Caleb Herring joins us for his regular spot. Here on Cofield and Company, we'll talk to Caleb a little bit more about the Raiders and John Gruden and his perspective. Dustin DeHart of Nova Home Loans brings you the 4 o'clock football frenzy. Dial 702-577-2600 now. Home prices have never been higher and interest rates have never been lower. Get your mortgage tune-up today by calling 577-2600. 
What I said to the players basically is that you're entitled to your opinion. But ultimately, what we've preached since the day I've been here with with Coach Gruden and just about every other team in the world preaches is the team's got to come first at some point. Okay, and I think that's what all the guys are saying. But I really do believe that going forward, what you're going to see is a team that's three and twos and saying we got to go play Denver. And all every single one of our goals is still out there. Now back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio. Studio. Raiders general manager Mike Mayock addressed the media today about the John Gruden situation. Uh, Still no word from owner Mark Davis. Mayock, the highest ranking person in the Raiders org to be out there in the front today. It's Cofield and Company on your Wednesday. Adam Hill, Adam Candy, Ari at the Finley Toyota Studios, and our man Caleb Herring, former UNLV quarterback, uh, color analyst on the UNLV football radio broadcast, joins us here today caleb what's up man how you doing oh man i'm good i'm enjoying october weather i'm i'm, I'm good oh, better than most absolutely. i guess so i'm grateful <laughs> a- absolutely all right all right since you started with weather let's leave the uh let's leave the issue of the day um just on the side for a moment so that i can offer you the floor for something that you on twitter said you would be our guy yesterday when we were saying adam hill wants someone to take the stigma away from wearing Crocs and you are apparently looking for an endorsement deal because you were all over it. Yeah. I volunteer as tribute. I, I would, I will put my three fingers in the air and I'll volunteer to be the spokesperson for Crocs in the Las Vegas area. Um, I don't know if everybody's on this bandwagon. I don't know if it's news to anybody, but they're godsend. They're comfortable. They're convenient. Um, and they also have a style element. Now they're very customizable now with some of the things I own a pair um that are specifically for the winter because they're lined on the inside with like fuzzy warm sock like material that makes them even more comfortable during the winter time so right now they have been whipped out several times i wish i could have tweet uh tweeted out a picture um of the crocs that i was wearing as i tweeted that out and i was so excited that you guys were having the conversation but i am more than happy to be the spokesperson for crocs in las vegas and if anybody's not with this movement you can get out i'm sorry you're canceled whatever Crocs are the business, and I will stand by Crocs till the day I die. So, I mean, I feel like you're probably right. I haven't tried them yet. I do want to try them. I think that the it's the confidence that you have in them that is the necessary requirement. Absolutely. There, there are certain things that you can't wear unless you're really going to commit to them. And I think Crocs are one of those things. Fedora? Yeah, fedora. Yeah, you have to commit. You you can't just casually throw on a, a fedora and go to the to the grocery store, right? You you have to you have to go all the way with it, right? And Crocs are one of those things. I think it took me a while to get on the train, um, but I'm on it, and I'm I'm now you know the the conductor. I'm I'm ready to go. Um, I'm all for Crocs. Um, my family is going to be a Crocs family. My daughter doesn't Ooh. walk yet, but she will have Crocs um, as she takes her first steps, um, and she will be comfortable. And I think she will thank me. Her feet will thank me. And, you know, foot doctors around the world are thankful for the invention of Crocs. And I, I'm I'm confident enough now in my Crocs wait, that I wear them to the grocery wait, store. The, I'm so happy with this. The family isn't just mocking you constantly? No, they're not. I think my wife, you know, when you have a significant other, they do things like wear your, your, your house shoes or your sandals when it's convenient to just sure. slide them on. So my wife mocked me the first week and she said, I can't believe you're team Crocs. And I said, well, don't knock it till you try it. And she went to uh, take out the garbage in the front of the house one day, and my my Crocs were right by the door. And she slid them on, and she came back, and she just said, without addressing me, 
she said it's like walking on clouds and i didn't even have to look <laughs> and i knew she wore my crocs and that, that enough said we're a croc family now everybody's on board i love that I, you, you didn't even think she was saying i love you so much honey it's like walking on clouds you knew it was the crocs like it was absolutely yeah. the crocs yeah there's no way she would compliment me that way right like no. I, I don't get that kind of love the only no, crocs no, no, could garner no. such love from a spouse but no I, there's no. no shot that she was talking about me it was definitely no, the crocs. I, Old, old old married days just uh, it's just how it works right <laughs> we just run um, at each other and we know what we're talking about yeah that's yeah ex <laughs> exactly um you know caleb there's a, there is just no smooth transition from talking about crocs <laughs> over to you know the big issues in las vegas right now with the raiders and and uh and their organization and john gruden's departure um you know it, it's something that in some way feels like it touches all of us in some way and we wanted to obviously just kind of give you the floor to say you know what, what did you feel what did you think and and how are you um processing it uh wow you know it wasn't like walking on clouds uh for for there, the oh you had a better segue than i did nice I was job so ready. yeah there we go i, I count on you you're my segue guy but no there it really was the shock of um i i guess the way it unfolded and i think adam tweeted about this that when we first heard about the first email um, and the language in that one, the racial slur or what was being interpreted as a racial slur. And it was like, there's more, there has to be more based on the Raider statement. It's like, you're waiting kind of to exhale. Like, is it going to be bad? How bad is it going to be? What's the damage? Um, and then when you hear about the resignation and then the slew of other slurs and um, what else came out of that. And it's like, wow, that's at the wrong time. in in our society, to be having those things come forward, whether or not they were 10 years ago, the the shock and awe of them happened in the in the here and now. And I think the response in the day and age that we're in, um, you you could see the the storm of of public relations going deteriorating for the Raiders franchise. You could see it coming. And so Gruden doing the right thing, I think, and stepping down and, and removing himself from the equation. Um, but it, it, it the issues that came up, but first off, I'm going to speak as, as a black man. Obviously, the first thing that came out was considered a racial slur. Um, and one of the, the teaching teachable moments in this and learning points is that everything that's not offensive to you could be offensive to someone else, to anyone else. Right. And I, I read the first um, the first sentence, I guess, about, you know, the lips, the Michelin man, all that stuff. I read that and I'm like, huh, that sounds like something I'd say I would have said when I was a kid you know, making fun of one of my friends or, you know, it sounds like a very immature, bad joke um, that is not at all excusable or tolerate uh, should be tolerated in a professional capacity or an email chains about your boss or about a, a significant person in your business. No, there's no way you should be doing that. But I didn't take offense to it the way that I found that some people did. And, you know, there's all kinds of reactions from he's an outright racist to he was just joking or it's just locker room talk as boys will be boys. And I found myself somewhere in the middle where it's like, yeah, I get it's inappropriate. I don't really care one way or another how his personal feelings are, uh, if he's racist or not. I'm, I've, I've gotten out of the business of judging people and and commenting on how I feel they think um, in their private life. It's none of my business until it is my business. And so I don't make those kind of bold proclamations. But at the same time, it's like there's things that should be um, universally inappropriate and unacceptable in a working environment. And I think Rich Eisen said it. On his podcast, where how what kind of grown man in his work capacity emailing people that he works with and considers coworkers sits down and hits send on emails containing that kind of language, and especially in an industry in the NFL that is so 
um, involved with public relations and uh, public opinion and overall public consumption of the business, you cannot have anything that is perceivably that derogatory or hurtful or or insinuate racial tension, whatever the case may be. You can't in this in this sphere. And John Gruden should have known better 10 years ago, yesterday, 20 years ago. You're in the business of, of you know, popular opinion and the NFL is not going to tolerate. It. There's no space for that. Um, and then, um, you know, culturally outside of the NFL, we're in a, a transition phase in the culture where norms of yesterday are now transitioning into new norms. And I, it put in perspective that sometimes, you know, the norm that the, the correction can be overcorrection. And sometimes there's things that we push too hard for that maybe we don't have a full understanding of. And then sometimes there's things that should have been gone a long time ago and we've accepted as normal, but they're, we're in the process of eliminating those things from our common vernacular or for, from being acceptable language. And I think we're in that transition and there's going to be casualties when, when trying to figure these things out. And Gruden's from that old generation where maybe that kind of talk is something that is, is commonplace, but it's not anymore. And, and I think that's clear with the way this thing has unfolded. And unfortunately the Raiders in the midst of what could be a good season for them, a playoff season, a uh, a good run for the Raiders are now going to be distracted for the next few weeks. And uh, with, with that kind of thing. And it's a shame. There's, there's so many angles and it's like so many tentacles, even to the story, there's it branches off in so many directions, but um, I, I talked about this yesterday and um, I think I asked Mike Pritchard, but I don't ask when I ask you to, I've also been doing like some introspection in terms of covering this and like how we cover certain stories and how we talk about certain things. And one of the things, like, I keep doing it, and I think we just kind of did it with you, um, and, and I, I keep thinking, like, is this right that, hey, uh, you know, whenever somebody comes up to the podium now for the Raiders, hey, black guy, what do you think of the racist comment that Gruden made? Hey, Carl Nassib, gay guy, what do you think of the gay comments that John Gruden made? Like, I, I, I think we're trying to offer a platform and trying to offer a chance to have a conversation and express feelings, but at the same time... Like it does seem weird on some level. Like, is it wrong that we do that? You know, it's 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 just the way we've categorized ourselves society in a society. And this is not just the media. This is everywhere, right? This is this is not just people asking questions of guys at the podium. But anytime something happens in your life, you think about the people that may be offended by it. Um, especially, and I, I think I tweeted this also. You're a third party a lot of the time to what was said. And um, whether or not you're a black guy or, or, or me being black, obviously, I did not take offense to what was considered a racial slur. So then does my opinion not count? So I, I think it's, we don't do ourselves a, a favor when we use someone's offense, someone taking offense to something as the, the measuring stick for if it's offensive or not. Right. Because I like I said, I'm, I'm black and I didn't take it as a racial slur. And that doesn't make me less black and it doesn't make what he said any less offensive. But it it definitely does, you know, take into account that there's different perspectives, no matter what group you belong to. And I, I think that's part of the issue, you know, talking about broader society where we try to group people into boxes and then we try to define what offends those boxes. And uh, it, it's interesting. I'm tell quick, there's a, a movie that I really like. It's called Take Me Home Tonight. I don't know if you've heard of it. It's a 2011 movie, Topher Grace and Anna Ferris. It's a really funny movie. If you haven't, check it out. That's my plug. But there's there's a line in the movie where Anna Ferris yells at her brother, Topher Grace, um, for chickening out on something. And he doesn't follow through with kind of a dare or, or a, a mischievous act. And she yells at him and calls him the P word, the same word that John Gruden used oh. in one of those uh, in one of those emails. 
um, and I'll let you figure out which one. Sure. But she yells it at him, and she, being a woman in the movie uh, in 2011, says it, and everyone understands the joke. And she's calling him this to say, get back in the game, go finish what you started, don't be, you know, whatever. Um, Anna Ferris is obviously a, a woman. She, I'm sure at the time she said that line in that movie, did not feel offended by that term or using it in that, in that manner. And, and I think that's kind of what we do now. It's like if we if we hear someone say misogynistic things or anti-Semitic things or um, transphobic or homophobic things, we kind of assume who's going to be offended by it. Not everybody that belongs to that group or to that uh, demographic is offended by all the same, I guess, insults or slurs. So I think when talking about it, 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 it deserves a more honest conversation from all angles and from all different perspectives about it. And I think when we do that, we get closer to, okay, where's the line now? Where's offense? Where's things that are inappropriate and appropriate? What's just a joke? What should be taken to heart? And and how do we measure somebody's intentions with these things? I think, you know, when, when you look at the emails from Gruden, I think especially when you consider the fact he's talking about uh, the commissioner of the league that he's an employee of in one way or another, he that just is unacceptable. But I think we we do ourselves an injustice when we say, you know, we assume offense for a third party that we are not. And I'd be lying to say black people everywhere are offended by such things <laughs> because I don't know. I have no idea. Well, I can only speak for myself and be honest from my own perspective. And, and that's Caleb Herring. Uh, you can former UNLV uh, quarterback. You hear him, hear him on the broadcast. And that's coming up. Utah State coming up uh, this Saturday. We should not forget that. Um, but I, I think to, to that extent, and I, I think it helps to have conversations and it helps to understand everyone's an individual, right? And that it can be different. Like different conversations can be taken differently among different people. I think that's fair to say. Um, you hear oftentimes like, you know, if if there's a, like a bunch of angry white people, they'll find like one black person that's not offended by something like you're saying. And they'll be like, see, black people aren't offended. Like everyone's different. Like you can't yeah. just say black people are offended or aren't offended by something. Everyone has their own right to have their own thoughts on things, right? And I think it's important to continue to understand that and learn that more going forward. I'll, I'll say in my, you know, from my personal life, I grew up with, um, a, like, a lot of black friends. And I know that's, that's like, the cliche of racism. But And I, we used to joke <laughs> about race all the time, right? Like, these right. over-the-top, like, insults. If you heard that conversation from the outside, you'd be like, wow, that dude's racist. Yeah, and, and, but and, that, that's just our conversation, right? So I think it's also the context is different in different areas. And that's that's crucial. I mean, and this is this may come off as a defense of John Gruden. And I, I don't want it to at all seem like that because I don't think that those emails are, are defensible. Right. I, and in a professional capacity, let's say that. Um, but there's context that that matters and context matters with language. And I, I mean, I grew up with a, a mixed race of friends when I was a kid, too. And, um, and then I also had a, a crew of friends that was all black. And like I said, we would have high school in high school. We'd have lunchtime we called them bagging sessions. I mean, everybody, I don't sure. know if that's common vernacular or not, but we, we had bagging sessions. We said worse things about ourselves and about each other that may have been considered racially charged, if not for that group of friends being, you know, on one accord about it. Um, so the context matters. And that's kind of what I meant by third party. Like if, if I'm talking to my friend, the way that I talk to my friend is not going to be, you know, necessarily the public ex publicly accepted or politically correct way to address another person, right? And, you know, and there was a, a, a quote 
um, when we're talking about the debate about, about using the N-word and, and who can and who can't. And my, my wife um, has friends and they call each other the B-word in, in a funny and not, you know, uh, not derogatory way. But, they you know, it's like, a, you know, just the way sometimes they address each other. It's their group. They have this word that they use ironically. And if you were an outsider looking in, that would be so inappropriate. Right. But we don't really understand context unless we understand context. And that's why it's unique with Gruden. He's talking to a buddy. Right. Right. It's not a work email. He's talking to a buddy uh, about some off the record type stuff. And and not to say, again, that it's an excuse for that kind of speech about your boss necessarily or, you know, the, the commissioner of a league um, and not to say that the language is acceptable. But um, there, there's just context that I think we have to be aware of. And, and when I look and see people, you know, grandstanding and moral grandstanding about this issue and, and just smearing John Gruden and. Um, like I said, people calling him racist outright and things like that, that outside of these emails, there's no evidence that I know of that would indicate any of that. I think, you know, just take a moment and, and reflect on some of the things that maybe in your own personal life that without context would be considered um, insults or derogatory terms that you maybe are just accustomed to using in your everyday life. Well, Caleb, um, fantastic stuff. I, I appreciate your your candor and uh, your openness with all of this. Uh, of course, if you want to hear more from Caleb on the football side, UNLV versus Utah State this Saturday from Allegiant Stadium. Caleb, as always, man, thanks for the time. I appreciate it, guys. Appreciate you guys having the conversation. All right, Caleb Herring from UNLV. Uh, Cofield and Company rolls on here in just a moment. Finley Toyota. They'll do anything to sell you a car. No Toyota problem is too tough, too large, or too small. Keep your Toyota running like a Toyota. We don't mess around when it comes to food. It's the Fat Pack on Cofield and Company. Brought to you by Nova Home Loans. You see a pair of laughing eyes, and suddenly you're sighing sighs. You think you nothing's wrong. We have spent a long time this week discussing things that people take offense to, and I feel like we have a way of carrying it too far in certain situations, Adam. (laughs) Um, No, we're not talking about John Gruden for once. Uh, This is the Fat Pack, and we're talking about food. Uh, This story popped up in my feed, and I thought... Some people really need to make one of two choices. Get off your butt and go to the store or find another way to worry about $1. Uh, There is actually legal action coming against Chick-fil-A for delivery prices. Not for the fact that they're charging more to have your food delivered. A fee, $3.99. I mean, yeah, they have to have the manpower to bring you your food. That's not a shocker, but some people are complaining because the in-store price is higher. I should say is lower than what is on the app when they go to order. For example, uh, take the nuggets, eight piece, 385 if you get them for pickup, 499 from the same store uh, when ordering delivery. And the plaintiffs in this case, Adam, well, they're not going to take it anymore. They're fed up or uh, very upset that they have to pay more to be fed up. Um, 
What do you think? Good one. I mean, should we should should we be should we be trying to join this class action? Should we be part of this suit? Have we taken the crap from fast food restaurants for too long of trying to charge us another dollar the food that gets delivered? I mean, I would like to propose an even higher fee. How much? Come on. I mean, like twenty dollars. So oh. the nuggets, so the nuggets should be three eighty five at the store, but twenty three eighty five on the app. No, twenty dollars. Not $20 oh, just more. twenty dollars. Yeah. Okay. Now, um, what if it weren't Chick Fil A? What if it were just what if it was uh, a store you liked? No, I, I'm obsessed with Chick Fil A. I just I'm jealous because I can't have it right now because I'm not eating fast food. But uh, oh man, I, here because here's the thing, and I, I think I talked about this, and this is inc- incredibly selfish. Um, and self-serving, but that's fine. I have, and it, it started, I think during the pandemic to get even more than usual. I think everybody got obsessed with getting food delivered, which was fine then. But now that we're starting to come out of it, like stop it. Like there, there's one place in particular, I, I won't mention the place that I love to go to. And it's great. There's usually not a line. You go up there, you order your food, you get it. It's, it's awesome. And so many people order it delivery and, you know, through the different, you know, uh, delivery apps that are out there that literally the staff is like constantly busy trying to keep up with these orders. And then you go in there and it's, you can't get, you can't even get anybody to, you, know, you can't get anybody at the window. It's a nightmare. Stop ordering to go to the places. I don't know. You want people going into stores You're yes encouraging more people to go into stores or at least that okay. one because well i think that less people would go there if they actually had to go there and then i would actually be able to just go in and order my food and get it out yeah like, I'm, I'm kind of, yeah it's crazy and it, it happens by the way also at the coffee places i won't mention them either where like yes you can order advancing to go pick it up which is great we all know what starbucks is i know I don't want to say. I, don't want to I won't call them out. I, I won't say what the coffee chain is, but well, you can order in the app. I'm saying something negative, so I don't want to. I don't want to say them by name. But yes, it's like again, or go pick it up, because now they're they're making a thousand delivery orders for like you know DoorDash and and all the other places, Grubhub and Uber Eats and everything. They're making like a thousand of them. And like. Okay, now you're overstressing the employees because people can just sit home and click on a button. It should be a lot more to get it delivered. It's it's it should be way more expensive. All right, you heard it here first. Adam Hill wants more people exposed to COVID, so the lines will be shorter for him to get and get food. vaccinated. Well, you know, uh, we we have enough things to get offended by in one show here, Adam. I'm also, by the way, I'm also for everybody that does go into stores to have to require vaccination. So. Um, yes, I'd, I'd like people to go, go oh, out you... to stores, but also require, also have to show proof of vaccination. Like our good friend Steve Cofield has, is traveling right now, and uh, he keeps sending us photos where he is. It, every single restaurant, bar, place you go into, you have to re, you have to show a vax card. That's what I want. You liberal elites, how dare you! <laughs> All right, we'll we'll talk more about Adam Hill's freedoms here uh, in just a moment, but. Uh, Talk to our man Art out at the Westgate Superbook here in just a moment about college football and the NFL and our eye on sports betting. Join the conversation on Twitter at Cofield & Co. 
Cofield and Company's Eye on Sports Betting. Adam Candy, Adam Hill, Ari at the Finley Toyota Studios here on Cofield and Company. Um, you know, it never feels good to get big timed by someone, but every now and then it happens. And, uh, I, and I have a John theory. Murray, I have a theory. Adam. Well, hold on, hold on. Okay, man about the Westgate Superbook, John Murray has big timed us. Now, tell us what your theory is. Uh, and we can we can get we can get the the take on this from inside the book. But I would be willing to bet anything, knowing Mister Murray as I do. There's no way he was doing an interview during a U.S. national team game. Well, Art DeCesar from the Westgate Superbook, is that an accurate piece of information? Gentlemen, I have a pleasure to be here. I'll, I'll just say this. You are not being big time. I'm happy to step in and pinch hit, and I'm happy to be here with you guys. That's all I'll say. <laughs> Towing the party line. The man knows where his checks are signed. Very well done, sir. Very, very well done. <laughs> Um, let's jump right into it and talk about what's coming up uh, tomorrow. I think this is an interesting matchup, maybe more than uh, the records might show between Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, you guys out at the Westgate are sitting seven even on Tampa on the road as a favorite, 52 and a half on total. Um, Tampa obviously rolled through Miami last week. Do you have a handle on where you think the Bucks are right now? Yeah, you know, that's a great question. I mean, obviously Tampa is, you know, one of the elite teams of, you know, the NFL. We all know that. Brady's having another phenomenal year. Defending Super Bowl champs, they bring back all the starters. But, you know, this might be a tough spot for them. You know, they're coming in on a short rest. Got to go on the road. Eagles are getting seven at home. You know, Eagles haven't looked good, but want to run a, you know, they won a road game last week against a good Carolina team. You know, Brady, who's been on basically the NFL injury report for the last 20 years, is again on the injury report with a quote-unquote sore thumb. So we've actually seen pretty, you know, pretty good money coming on the Eagles. I think people don't like the spot so much for Tampa. So the I already I think I already know the answer to this question, but I, I am interested to hear your take on it. Handle-wise, uh, NFL game on a Thursday night involving the Tampa Bay Buccaneers or – Giants Dodgers game five that is one of the most anticipated uh, NL uh, DS games in a long time. Yeah, it's a, that's a terrific question. I mean, NFL is always going to be king. It just is. That's the way it is. This is obviously a little bit of a different situation. You know, good, great for the MLB to have this as a standalone game. You know, getting this as a game five because yeah, MLB playoffs have kind of been a snoozer so far. So to get Giants and Dodgers. You know, sitting there in a elimination game, best two teams of baseball, best two records, and the rivalry. It's tough that they have to go up against an NFL game. I would assume and probably feel confident saying the NFL game will get more action, but we will get some nice action on that Giants Dodger game. No doubt about it. Art Caesar from the Westgate Superbook joining us. Julio Urias against Logan Webb in that one uh you guys are sitting at seven juice to the under uh pretty well even both ways uh i know that we've heard plenty about the liability that's out there and a lot of books in town on the san francisco giants uh will you guys have dodgers hats on all across the book tomorrow yeah i think so i think that's the way you got to look at it because you know no one saw this coming from the giants obviously the dodgers are the preseason favorite 
you know, where, wherever you got him at town, whether it was plus 200, 250, three to one, you know, you're not going to have a lot, a lot of liability on a favorite like that. You know, the Giants were basically 75, 100, 125 to one to win the World Series. No one saw this. So, yes, we will, will be wearing our Dodger hats, even though if the Dodgers do win tomorrow, we probably will lose some money because there will probably be more bets on the Dodgers. But to get the Giants out of there as a World Series future would be huge for us. You guys are still open over at the Westgate, right? I, I heard a lot of gloom and doom about this weekend that it was just a, a disaster for the sports books. Of course we are. Absolutely. <laughs> Listen, gentlemen, it's going to happen. You know, it's a long season. There's going to be some weeks where the public has, you know, a good week. And, you know, the beginning of the season, the first Four weeks were great for us. So, listen, it's going to happen. The doors are still open. We're still printing tickets. So, come on down, please. Let's jump over to the college board for a minute, Art. Uh, where is the action this week? Where are you guys uh, seeing the money coming in? Yeah, you know, no, no surprise here, even though it is a big number. Georgia's attracting money, even though they're laying 23. You know, people just aren't afraid to lay lay the number with Georgia. They're just, they've been that dominant. So it's not a surprise to me that, you know, you're seeing some of that. Baylor's been seeing some nice money, minus six. You've been seeing some Baylor money. Boise's an interesting one, too, minus four. Been seeing some Boise money come in. You know, off the big win, tough spot, Air Force. You know, they got to play that option. So that's a very interesting spot there. And UNC, UNC against Miami, seven and a half. You've seen some UNC money come in, looking to bounce back after that Florida State loss. On Sunday, we uh, we know the Raiders actually have a football game. We haven't talked much about Raiders football, more off-the-field stuff this week. But uh, any impact that the off-the-field stuff had on uh, the line or total coming up this weekend? I mean, no, nothing really to speak of. I will say this, though. It's been nothing but Bronco money. <laughs> I mean, you know, I, obviously there's two ways to look at this. You know, the Raiders are just – they tank the rest of the season and they can't come out of this debacle – or they really rally, you know, around the 53-man roster and all the coaching staff, and they, they figure it out. So, you know, it would be really interesting to see what transpires there. And obviously, you know, it's a big divisional game. And, you know, Denver's look good. Raiders kind of have to right the ship a little bit here because they've lost two straight. And then you have all this off-the-field stuff. But it's been nothing but Denver money so far, sitting at Denver minus 3.5 at mile high. Art, one more before we let you go. There's obviously been a lot of talk among you know, sports betting media about the terrible ATS of the Kansas City Chiefs over, you know, basically their last 20 games or so. Um, with what you've seen out of the Chiefs thus far this year, how far have you adjusted the power ranking? Are, are, do you think we're at the point where we start at some point to see some correction in the lines with Kansas City, or, or is all of it just too noisy with what the with what's gone wrong for them thus far? Yeah, it's tough. You know, I mean, Kansas City, obviously, over the last few years, made two Super Bowls, won a Super Bowl. But, you know, they basically cover spreads like they're the Jacksonville Jaguars. I mean, they're not <laughs> competitive when it comes to an ATS. They win a ton of games. We know that. Their numbers are always inflated. They always have big point spreads. People still aren't scared to bet them. They don't care. They're going to lay the seven, you know, when they were on the road in Philly. Same thing this week. It's just, you know, people believe in Mahomes. I, I, I think the sharper betters will probably stay away from them or even look to take the other side because they'll be getting value with some of the points. But public is still going to ride a team like that with an offense that can score you 40 points at any time. So they're a really tricky, you know, team to figure. But it's still going to be Kansas City money a lot of the times because of, you know, the personnel. Art, um, I don't know. I, I'm going to have to check with Adam and maybe with Cofield, but I think you might have just permanently replaced John Murray. 
Alyssa, that's very nice of you to say, and I really appreciate that. I appreciate him giving me all the opportunities to come and pinch hit for him today. So anytime you guys need me, I'm more than available to do it. Art DeCesar from the Westgate Superbook. Thanks, man. Appreciate the spot. Thank you, gentlemen. Big Five time coming in a moment. Hey, if you're just tuning in right now, half an hour from now, we're going to talk to Raiders punter Marquette King, uh, who used to play for John Gruden, uh, was let go by John Gruden from the Raiders 530. Uh, Marquette King. But in a moment, we're getting into the Big Five. Stick around. Cofield and Company returns in minutes in the Finley Toyota Studios. 